Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, as we continue our focus on the Old Testament texts, that's been going to be my focus during this whole year, is, is well, we'll look at the Gospels, of course, but with a special emphasis on the, the first reading, the Old Testament text. We turn this week to the 19th chapter of the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is a very important book in the Bible. It finds itself in the Torah, you know, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the, the fundamental law of, of Israel. It's the cornerstone, in many ways, of the biblical revelation. As the name suggests, this book has a lot to do with the Levites. Levites were the priests of ancient Israel. That's why there's a lot of talk in the book of Leviticus about ritual and sacrifice and taboo and clean and unclean, and all the things having to do with temple and ritual and worship and so on. In a word, you might say the book of Leviticus is laying out the practices by which Israel set itself apart from the other nations. You know, that term in Hebrew for holy is kadosh. And, and that has the sense of, of setting apart. What I find interesting here, everybody, is we put such a value in our culture now on inclusion and knocking down walls. And obviously there's something valuable indeed about that. But we put such a stress on it that I think it's difficult for us to appreciate the power of this word and this idea, kadosh, holy, set apart. Israel prided itself on not being like the other nations, on having firm walls around its capital city and around its moral prescriptions. The point is that pious Jews didn't look or worship or eat or interact like any of the other peoples around them. And that wasn't, and I'm sure people misconstrued it and, and had these bad attitudes, but that was not meant to be an act of, of aggression or, or of superiority. But it was the acknowledgement that they were a holy people, kadosh, a people set apart. And Leviticus lays out all the ways that this otherness expresses itself. Okay. But here's the deeper point. The holiness of Israel was only a function of the supreme holiness of the God of Israel. Israel was meant to be different because God is different. Israel was meant to be pure and set apart because God is pure and set apart. So listen to this line now from our reading for today from Leviticus. 
the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the whole Israelite community and tell them, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The purpose of Israel's difference was not to glory in their uniqueness or to show off in front of the other nations. It was to mirror the distinctiveness of God. What's God like? Look at Israel. See, like, you know, what's, what, what's the light of the sun like? Well, I can't look at the sun, but I can look at the moon, which reflects the light of the sun. That was the vocation of Israel that the rest of the world would look at them and they'd see something of the uniqueness and separateness of God. Okay, so in what precisely does this divine distinctiveness consist? Well, listen now to Leviticus. You shall not bear hatred for your brother or sister in your heart. Though you may have to reprove your fellow citizen, do not incur sin because of him. Take no revenge. Cherish no grudge against any of your people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to bow down as I recite those words. For they are supremely sacred. They're one of the, you know, they call the, the scholars call the canon within the canon. Meaning, if you want to really understand the meaning of the whole of Scripture, you can look to certain texts within the Scripture. And this is one of them, I think. The cornerstone of biblical teaching, in many ways, is right here. Why are we to act this way? Because God is this way. That's the point. Now, we believers in the Trinitarian God know that God's own most nature is love, right? For he's a play between lover, the father, beloved, the son, and shared love, the Holy Spirit. Moreover, this Trinitarian God makes the world out of sheerest love. How do we know that? Precisely because he doesn't need the world in any way. Therefore, God can will the good of the world utterly for its own sake. Not using it as the gods of, of, of the other ancient religions did. You know, the meaning of love is to will the good of the other, right? Well, that's what God can do because God doesn't need the world. More to it, God makes the universe through a nonviolent act of speech. Let there be light. Rather, and you find this in almost all the old uh, mythologies and philosophies, rather than through a violent act of suppression or conquest. In most of the ancient myths, you have something like a victorious God conquering other gods. Some act of violence or imposition or aggression gives rise to the world. Well, there's none of that in the Bible. God makes the world through a nonviolent act of speech. That's why in the technical language of the theologians, we hear that God makes the world ex nihilo, right, from nothing. Think about that. He's not conquering anything. He's not imposing himself on anything. But he makes it from nothing as a sheerly nonviolent act of love. See, so what we're seeing is 
the distinctiveness of God, what makes him kadosh, what makes him holy, is precisely love, the willing, the good of the other as other. So now let's return to that strange language of the book of Leviticus. You shall bear no hatred for your brother or sister in your heart. Think about this and the last statement I read from Leviticus. How radical they are, everybody. Bear no hatred for your brother or sister in your heart. Not only are we enjoined not to perform hateful acts, we're commanded to remove any hatred from our heart and in regard not just to some of our brothers and sisters, but to all of them. Take no revenge, cherish no grudge against any of your people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, see, that's what it means to reflect the love that God is. Take no revenge, no grudge. I mean, think how basic for a second, how, how basic revenge is to us. Watch it at work in little kids and in statesmen striding the world stage. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back. You offend me, I'll find a way to offend you. I mean, this attitude is deep in our animal nature. It corresponds to the idea of justice most of us have, you know, rendering to each his due. So, I mean, you hurt me, well, I hurt you back. That seems like the path of justice, right? But here's the whole point of the book of Leviticus. We are not meant to look and act like every other animal. (laughs) We're not meant to look and act like every other human being. Yeah, all the nations act that way. I know. I get it. Sure they do. Animals act that way. Yeah, I get it. But we're not meant to be like them. We're meant to be kadosh, set apart. We are meant to image the Lord God, who, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, makes his sun to shine on the good and the bad alike. Whom does God love? Those who love him, yeah, sure, and those who hate him. Whom does God love? Those that follow his commandments, yeah, sure, and those that don't. He makes his sun to shine on the good and bad alike. So must we. Whom does God hold a grudge against? Well, well, no one. God goes into God-forsakenness to save all sinners. So we must refrain from holding a grudge. Whom does God seek revenge upon? Well, nobody. God dies for his enemies. So must we. Well, friends, against this sort of marvelous Leviticus background, I think we can look at the Sermon on the Mount with fresh eyes. How deeply Jewish the Sermon on the Mount is. How deeply in touch with his own great Israelite tradition Jesus is. Listen. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Crazy? Mm Mm-hmm. Unrealistic? Completely. 
unjust even? Yeah, I guess you could say in terms of standard justice, yeah. But we're not meant to look and act like everyone else. We are meant, what does Jesus say, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Our job is not simply to make our way through a difficult world or even to be noble agents of conventional justice. Our job is to be light and salt and image of God. Now, when you go back to Leviticus, you see all the prescriptions of the law and all the you know, dietary things and all these, these uh, particular demands. And you say, well, that's kind of old-fashioned fussy. Well, yeah, all of that was meant in a way to be the window dressing to this central truth. It was meant to inculcate in Israel the sense of their moral and spiritual separateness. And again, mind you, not, hey, look at us, we're better. No, look at us that you might see in us something of the holiness of God and thereby be drawn back to God. Be perfect, different, kadosh, holy, as your heavenly Father is perfect, kadosh, holy. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.